0: Who am I? This question has pierced the heart of women since Eve left the garden. Today, women around the world allow untruths to fracture our identity. While lies threaten to destroy us, they also unite women in common suffering. Could this be a strategic key to unlocking truth for all women? Join us November 4th through the 6th at the Hepzibah House in Manhattan, for an immersive multimedia art experience exploring the lies holding women captive and the truth which sets them free for more details visit ungallery.org that's ungallery.org
1: You are listening to our Urban Voices with Dr. Alphonse Javet, a podcast that presents Christian narratives through diverse voices that impact urban ministry. Here is your host. Hello, and welcome back to our Urban Voices. I'm your host, Dr. Alphonse Javet. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Mark Strong, who is the lead pastor along with his wife, Marla, of Life Change Church located in the heart of inner city Portland, Oregon. He is also the author of uh, Who Moved My Neighborhood, Leading Congregations Through Gentrification and Economic Change. Uh, Our topic today focuses on how churches can adapt to, to drastic changes in their neighborhood. Uh, Dr. Strong serves on the board of uh, regents at George Fox Seminary and his books uh, include Church for the Fatherless and Divine Merger. He is also the founder of a ministry that addresses the needs of the fatherless epidemic affecting our world. He and his wife, uh, Marla, have four children. So Mark, thank you so much for being here.
0: Welcome to our show. Oh, it's my my pleasure. It's my pleasure to be here.
1: Yeah, I, I I'm telling you, it's uh, so wonderful to talk to somebody who is speaking into two of my favorite topics. One is uh, the issue of uh, gentrification and the role of uh, a pastor how how a pastor can help, uh, um, and 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 then the economical side of that. But then the second one, uh, uh, being a man or a father, that both topics are so important to me as a man and a father, and then also a pastor who loves inner cities and speaks on behalf of uh, marginalized communities, not only here, overseas as well. So thank you so much for being here. Um, My pleasure. So before we get started, please tell us a little bit about your family. Um, I think it's important for our audience to understand uh, that you are a family man, that you have a family, not just a, an author and a pastor, somebody who is distant, rather you are a real person dealing with real family stuff. So please share with us a little bit about your family.
0: Great, Dr. Javeh. Uh Well, uh, uh, I've been uh, married to my wife, Marla, uh, since 1988. So we've been married a little over uh, 34 years and uh, we have four children. We have uh, uh, two boys and two girls. Well, they're actually <laughs> two men and two women now. Uh, my my son, uh, oldest son, is uh, thirty-one. My uh, oldest daughter is twenty-seven. And I have one that's twenty-three, and then the baby boy is uh, twenty years old. So, uh, Micah, Michelle. Mackenzie and Miles, so we uh, made them all with the letter M. So my wife's name is Marla, my name is Mark, so we're all M. So when it's when it's Christmas time and we give gifts to different family members, we just say from the M Strongs. And right? They, they they know they know who it's, who is coming who is coming from. So uh, we have just mm-hmm. you know been been married for a little while and just still enjoying each other, still having fun, and still uh, just uh, you know enjoy just the blessing of God putting us in each other's lives.
1: I'm sure it doesn't confuse anybody when they are talking about your family, right?
0: <laughs> no. Like, oh, which yeah. one? <laughs> yeah.
1: For for, for for full disclosure, I had the same intention. So my name is Alphonse. My son's name is Arias. His younger brother is Asher. And okay. I wanted to go with the same thing with my twin girls. They are, so my Arias is five. Asher is three. And my daughters, twin daughters, they are uh year and a half old. So okay. a year and a half. So, but then my wife was just like too not my wife, actually. My I think this was my in-laws. They thought that it's too much of a like a everybody. <laughs> yeah. And then my wife felt a little bit left out. She is um um, she is uh, her her, you know, her middle name is Margaret, and uh, her first name is Sarah um okay. but s and m those were the options we she's she asked like if we could figure out that for the girls so we went with z and uh, s okay so i totally understand that's my point so probably the listeners are sitting there are you gonna move on from uh, talking about <laughs> the, this and get to the topic so yes we are getting to the topic so uh, but family is important, so I think it's a good thing.
0: Yes, family is important, yeah. and family is so important. Family mm-hmm. is, you know, essential to who we are and what we do because we know as we, you know, call the Lord to do His work. You know, we also have that responsibility to be um, shepherds and good dads and loving husbands to our children, to our wives. That, that's our first. That's our first mission field.
1: Amen. Mm-hmm. So Dr. Strong, from what I understand, your book, "Who Moved My Neighborhood is directly inspired from your your experience growing up in and pastoring life change church to start off, can you tell us about the neighborhood change life change church um, yes has experienced over the decades yes
0: so um, when i when, when we st- we started pastoring. Uh, back in 1988 as well too so my wife and I got married and then two years two months later we were uh, pastoring the church and so north and northeast Portland was pretty much uh, back in the time what they would call the hood or the inner city Um, over the last 34 years the neighborhood has drastically changed so in north and northeast Portland was predominantly um uh, african-american community there were some whites uh some hispanics but the majority of african-american population in oregon lived in north and northeast portland so what begins to happen around 1980 you start to uh you have a population of probably about 22,387 african-americans and then it goes up in 1990 and then uh once it hits 2000 it starts dropping, and it starts dropping, and starts dropping. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. nineteen eighty was probably 28, uh, twenty eight percent of the population was African American, North Northeast Portland. Uh, by two thousand ten, it had dropped to fifteen percent. Now it's probably closer to four oh, percent, and so God. so so the the demographic change. Mm-hmm. In terms of the African African American community, mm-hmm. has been uh, horrific in terms of the numbers. Now, our church we have a a blended church. So we we have different nationalities in our church. We're not we're not we're predominantly African American, but we have whites and Hispanics and uh, a few Asian people, you know, in the church and as as well too. But as far as as far as that uh, neighborhood goes. The 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 change has totally uh, 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 changed the the landscape in terms of the economics, in terms of uh, the social uh, places that people had to uh, to uh, network with and gather and form relationships. It's a totally totally different place now. It's not even the same. It's not even the same area. I remember. I remember. I was. Uh, my office one day and i was on my computer i was looking at a little clip on yahoo right and it said it said the 10 hippest places to live in america
1: mm-hmm. and
0: so they start going through the list 10 9, 8, 7 6 5 4 3 2 1 by the time they got to by the time they got to one they said the most hippest place to live for hipsters in america is portland oregon and they wow. had they had a, they had a picture of portland a picture from a uh street corner in portland that was showing where the hipsters like to gather and so i was sitting at my desk and I, I said man that that picture looks really familiar and so i just turned my head and i looked out my window from my office and the picture was taken right across the street from my office window wow. and so that just gives you an idea how that how the neighborhood is, how the neighborhood has changed wow. um around us wow
1: would you say that's what prompted uh, all of this drastic change in your neighborhood or is it is more to that?
0: Yeah, the, I think there's, there's more to, um uh, you know, part, part of the, part of the uh, issues that a lot of inner cities uh, face is just the whole uh, economic disparity in terms of jobs and what people make and their buying power. So, Even though that community was predominantly African American, you know, a lot of those were not homeowners. A lot of them were renters, and um, once and the ones that did own homes, once they passed away, then some of those homes were sold and so forth. So you know, you figure people were buying houses back in the '80s and '90s for maybe around fifty thousand, maybe sixty thousand. Whereas now, those same houses they sell for. $600,000, $700,000, 600000 dollars, and upwards of a million dollars, right right across the street from our church. So uh, where our church is located now, our church used to be the biggest building on the block. So usually we should tell people, if you want to get the life change, just make a right, come up Williams Avenue. You can't miss it. We can't say that any, We can't say that anymore because to the right of us. There are five six-story buildings uh, right in front of us. There are two big uh, buildings that were actually award-winning buildings that received um, awards that were put in the in the uh, New York Times in terms of uh, of the environmental uh, 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 things that they used to build a building and that kind of thing. And so, so our so our, our building is totally is totally dwarfed. Dwarf. But across the street, just adjacent across the street. Uh, they built a, another six, uh, five-story building, and in that same building, they have uh, apartments or condos that that are selling for one point seven million dollars. Mike, who who can afford a building like that? Who can afford a condo for one point seven million dollars?
1: You know, this you know? reminds me. I'm I'm sorry, I'm I'm cutting you, but I want to. No, this yeah.
0: conversation, and we're going to be
1: getting into the conversation of. Uh, um, we're gonna we're gonna have more conversation on this, but it, you know what it reminds me? Um, I have a deep love for New York City, and uh, you know, anytime people ask me when I was living, I just moved here last year uh, okay. to New Jersey, about forty five minutes away from Midtown Manhattan now. But one of the things I always uh, I still love the city. Just so you know, I love New York City, but yet I have to say this: um, if you look at the history of New York City african americans those days rather when uh, people were brought here right in new york yes they will uh, they will put them uh, in the in, it, it was like around midtown right first it started yes. because everything was down, st- downtown people were were there uh, rich people or, or white people or wh- whatever you know whatever you want to call them uh, the hipster of that day let's call right yes yeah When they yeah. start moving uh, uh, in that then they were pushed over there where the central park is right now you know the Central park story
0: yes i uh, i don't know i know where central park is i've been there but i don't oh. know the story though
1: oh you, you gotta uh, you gotta read this story man and uh, maybe next okay. book should add that because uh, poland okay. is sharing the same story Um. am so then these the, the, these were the slums these were the neighborhoods these were the uh black neighborhoods then and then okay. when the central park was put there then they were pushed away even farther yeah. up in uh, up uh, you know uh, upper manhattan where harlem is now and now okay. harlem is being pushed out that's where you got the bronx and the south bronx and, yes. and then eventually out of the city if you talk to um Things are changing also. It's not all this bad, just so you know. In the right, r- last right. uh, few years, things have, uh, I think, are moving in the right direction. So hopefully that will bring something. And this conversation is part of that, just so you know. Yes. And I think uh, the more we talk about this, so hopefully the the change will come. But you're right. Midtown Manhattan, where my previous church was, is called Billionaire Row. Your story reminds me of the story of Billionaire Row. Because... Wow who would afford billionaire role i'm saying billionaire because literally the apartment next door to my church up upstairs like the top one i, I forgot the exact amount it was like uh, uh 20 it was like in in, in somewhere there uh yeah. bill, million dollars 20 million wow. 30 million was it it was like a lot of money wow. now you don't get those kind of uh, things right so think about what it would look like if uh, um, somehow there was the conversation was uh, with the African-American community in your neighborhood when things were coming in. And I, I'm just, I'm just trying to see your church there. And I'm yes. also looking at the building because I had the same experience in New York, seeing those buildings right before my eyes, these buildings went up. Right. Um, yes. So I'm just thinking about those things. And Looking at how people are pushed out now, even if you are the one who had the, uh, you know, uh, your church, I, I suppose, is owned by your church, your church yes. property. Yes. Okay, so that's a blessing. So I'm sure people are already reaching out to you, too, that, hey, sell your property. We're going to give you a new church and we'll build a condo on top of you and all the other. Yes, details. yes, so yes,
0: yes. That's
1: another trend in, in, in New York. Another friend of mine, he has his church over there. And I'm not going to name the church, otherwise people are going to know that church right away. And they have the same offer, so it's just that, that idea. Like, let me buy your property and give you, build you a new uh, church, and then uh, we will have the top. You keep your church. It, this right. is happening, but yeah. at the same time, that changes the look of your church. Who you are, it you are yes. no longer the church you're supposed to be. Now you are this. I don't even know, artificial something. Um, yes. nothing against those uh, advancements. We should be walking with the with with you know with this somewhat same pace that the world is changing with, but at the same time it in the neighborhood changes the original calling for which you were planted, right? You were right, I'm sure. Um, anyways, I I'm sorry, I'm I'm just going it's supposed no, to be no, no, no. you. And I'm just opening up my heart and sharing with you, at least it shows you that I do have concern and I do understand some of this, but not, of course, I'm not going to pretend that I, because I'm not the part of this, uh, um, I'm not the recipient of this kick out policy, right? Let's kick people out of this neighborhood. Um, now, Now, the million dollar question, how does a church address this change? in your book, you, you outline a seven-step framework for churches to heal. Walk us through that and take your okay. time, please.
0: Okay. So what I'd like to just say, just to kind of uh, preface, what, preface the process I'm going to talk about here in a second, is that the uh, building and developmental changes, the economic changes, those are all things that we see visibly. But Ah, uh, what goes unnoticed and what is overlooked sometimes is the trauma of those changes, uh, the trauma that those changes causes in people in the community's lives. So there, there are terms like root shock that uh, describe that when a, a community is involuntarily uh, displaced, how that that affects the life of that uh, of, of that community, the culture. The uh, interpersonal relationships of that community, uh, the identity of that community, and it's a blow. I think in my book I talk about uh, there was a, a fight between Muhammad Ali and um, Sonny Liston, and there was a blow they called the phantom blow. And when Ali hit Liston and it knocked him out, it was so fast, so quick, nobody saw it coming. But it, it was enough to floor this this prize fighter. And so, when uh, a community is hit with gentrification, it is a it's it's a blow that is powerful and a blow that's uh, impactful. Um, In Psalms one thirty in the one hundred thirty seventh division of Psalm, verse one through four, it talks about the Israelites who were in captivity in Babylon, and they said, uh, "By the rivers of Babylon we sat and we wept when we remembered Zion." So Zion is their home; that's their place; that's where their culture was. That's where they worshiped Yahweh. That's where the temple was. They said, there on the poplars we hung our harps, for there our captors asked for us songs. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said, sing uh, us one of the songs of Zion. And they responded by saying, how can we sing the songs of the Lord in a foreign land? So here it is. You have these musicians who are trained to worship God. Uh, they're skilled in harps, they're playing the harp, they're skilled in uh, singing, and they're asked in Babylon to sing the, th- the songs of Zion, and they respond, how can we do that? How can we sing those songs in a strange place? So literally, their, their, their community heart, their home heart, their uh, 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 church heart or, you know, temple heart— have been cut out of them to the place they say, we can no longer do what we're supposed to do because we are in a strange place in a strange land. So when we start talking about the process in terms how a church can move forward, you know, there's a lot of discussion that, you know, kind of two 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 sides of it. So, you know, what can we do about gentrification? How can we affect policy um how can we do land development or land banking or those type of things so they're they're the issues to address uh some of the uh uh, economic and developmental shifts that are taking place but then when we look at the people we look at the church there's a process that has to happen where we look at it on a relational humane uh type of way in terms of what people go through it's a loss. It's a loss. It's a death of something that's valuable. It's a death of something that has been did your life, that you that you you've grown up with, you live with, you moved about, you know your community, you know the person down the street. they know you, you're familiar with the businesses uh, your 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 church is by you know by by your house, and there's people from your neighborhood that go to your church. so all all those all those things change. and so uh, for us you know, I, I wasn't really getting this at first, you know, and really just this, this process just kind of unraveled, if I could be honest with you, just kind of unraveled through prayer and just, you know, me just, just crying out to the Lord, God, what's going on? What, what can we do? How can our, how can, how can we help our church and so forth? So um, there was just this uh, seven step process that we, that we went through, mm-hmm. but I know I've been talking quite a bit, would you like me to share that now or just, do you have anything want else you want to ask or should I just jump into that?
1: Uh, jump in, man. Jim, go, okay. go ahead.
0: Okay. 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 So, so the so the process the the, the process has seven uh, phases to it, and the first phase is called a regular, mm-hmm. and that's the process of when you remember your old neighborhood. Mm-hmm. It's it's you know, it, this is important because what it does it gives you a sense of uh, uh, satisfaction and a sense of Wow, what we had was important and what we had was valuable. Because mm-hmm. when, you're, when, you're, when your old neighborhood is just wiped away, there's a sense of insignificance, uh, a sense of non-importance, mm-hmm. a sense of uh, what we had and who we wore was irrelevant. Right. But it's important, it's important to remember. You know, out of the scripture, God's always telling the Israelites, remember. Mm-hmm. Paul says, remember. Why do you want to remember? Because what you had initially was important and what you had initially was uh, valuable. And so in the book, I talk about some ways that you can, you can remember your old neighborhood. And then the second fa- part of the phase is what we call recognition. And that's a gradual awareness of your neighborhood mo- moving. So when, when, this, when this gentrification process starts, you might not catch on to it wa- right away because the changes are real subtle. Uh, you, may, you may notice that uh, uh, one building is gone and another building is coming up, is coming. Uh, I, remember I was talking to a friend of mine and we were talking one day, this was like before this thing was going on, he says to me, he says, why are people painting their doors red and purple? Mm-hmm. I mean, he said, I've never seen red and purple doors in our community. Mm-hmm. But what was happening is different people were moving in that like red and purple doors, but it was a difference and we were recognizing some things that some things that were going on, and so you start to see these kind of shifts. But it, it hasn't really hit you that the the boat is leaving from the dock. You know, mm-hmm. there's still enough there's still enough of the regularity of what the neighborhood and what the community was that it's not too alarming. And then the third phase is this: you realize that your neighborhood has moved. It's like it's done, like you know, when it's Thanksgiving time, or you, you take the thermometer you stick it in the turkey and it has comes to a certain degree and says the turkey is done. Well, this is like sticking the right. fork in the turkey. Yeah. It's done. The changes have been made and it's a shock. You say my neighborhood is not what it is anymore. It's it has gone. It's no longer it's no longer here. It's no longer uh what I've known over the years. This is a totally different place. And that that's a, that's a that's a hard Thing to to deal with, and I mean that throws you that that throws you into all type of uh, 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 emotional whirlwinds and feelings, and you know uh, just trying to figure out what's happened, but knowing that what was no longer is, and then after the realization phase, just reconstruction. And what happens there is there's the attempt to try to rebuild the removed neighborhood. Well, like you said, on Billionaire Road, I mean, how are you going to go, if, if they're selling apartments on billionaire, billionaire Road for $20 million, how are you going to reconstruct that neighborhood? There's no way. You don't have the finances to be able to do that, to, to, to purchase yeah. property, to, right, to right. make things the way they are. And so, uh, and, and I mean, we, we've seen it in Portland where people are like, let's do this, let's reconstruct this and reconstruct that. And so you go through that whole process of trying to make the neighborhood what it once was. And then here's the big one. Once you realize you can't uh, reconstruct it, you go through a rage phase, and you ha- you suffer the anger over your community and your neighborhood being moved. I never mm-hmm. forget uh, Dr. J- uh, Javit. Um, one day I was I was driving to the church, and I was coming up Williams Avenue, mm-hmm. and I just I'm, I'm looking at all these changes, and I'm just being honest. Mm-hmm. By the time I I got to the church, I got out of my car. Went to the office, said hi to everybody, closed my office door, and I uh, uh, put my head on my table in my office. And I took my hand and I just slammed, I slammed my hand on the table, and I said, "God, what in the world has happened? What is going on?" And I felt all this rage coming out of me. You know, I I hadn't been, in, I hadn't realized that that I was boiling like that. I didn't realize that I was angry over all those over all those changes. And so I was, I was so. I, I, I was upset. I was mm. mad, and what I did that did that day was I was able to pour that anger out to God, and also mm. realize realize that I was upset about what had taken place, even though I hadn't really, you know, cognitively, cognitively wrapped my mind around that. Mm. Emotionally, I had that anger seething inside of me, and you're going to go through that. People in our churches, our our church, they go through it. Um, there was a. <laughs> So in in, uh, most inner city, uh, inner city, uh, uh, inner cities across America, back in the eighties and nineties, they had the crack cocaine epidemic, and neighborhoods were being neighborhoods were being just uh, just devastated by crack. You know, people losing fathers and mothers and nieces and nephews and uncles and brothers and sisters. It was just absolutely terrible. So across the street from the church, they did a new development. They have uh, top. bottom level is all business. Like they have a pizza shop, ice cream shop. They have a bar, they have a barber shop, and, and just some, some other other businesses. Then they have the, the apartments on top. Well, it was a hot summer day and uh, some ladies from our church, they went across the street to buy an ice cream. So uh, we were, we must have had something going on at the church. Cause I was outside and about four of them went across the street to get ice cream. They came back mm-hmm. and they were, they were uh, upset <laughs> and they were like, they were like pastor, you know what's going. I'm like, hey, you guys, calm down a bit. What's what's going on here? I mean, they were like fire breathing dragons on me, and so hmm. I just try to cal- I just try to calm them down mm-hmm. to uh, see what was going on. And but so once they got around after after they got through venting, they got around and tell me they said, listen, they have an ice cream over there called chocolate crack. It's called oh. chocolate crack, oh. and when they oh. saw that, it just outraged them. They're like, how? These people, because first of all, they look at them as as, as strangers. How can these people come to our community and they don't even know what's happening? And now they name an ice cream called Chocolate Crack. There's no humor in that whatsoever. So we talked a little bit. We prayed about it. And I said, just go back over there and talk to the lady. You know, don't don't ball her out. Just talk to her, explain to her. So they went back over. They talked to her about uh, how crack had devastated the community before this is not humorous and so forth. And then they, they, they renamed that ice cream. They took that name off the menu, but just in terms of different things that kind of fuel the rage. So the, yeah. the, 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 name of the ice cream was okay. That was totally insensitive, but what that did was just f- threw a log and fueled the fire on the greater uh, a furnace that was burning inside the heart because mm. of the rage. So a church has to work. You have to work through that. Now in all situations, it may not be like that, but you're going to find some rage someplace and so forth. And then mm-hmm. the, the, uh, the uh, next phase is called reconciliation. And that's when you have to come to terms with your neighborhood. My neighborhood is moved. How mm-hmm. do you come to terms with that? Because mm-hmm. even if your neighborhood is, is moved, as followers of Jesus Christ, we still must be missional. Amen. Wh- whether, whether it's black, white, blue, brown, orange, or turquoise people. We still have to be, we still have to be missional. That's the call of Jesus. Go in the world, preach the gospel to all, to all creatures, right? To everybody, all nations. And you cannot do that if you're angry. You Mm -hmm. cannot do that if you're mad at the people that have moved into your neighborhood. I mean, you can be upset about the way some things are happening, but you still have to have a love for people, but you have to work that. So you have to come to a place where, where, where you, you can reconcile with the changes that happened. And so that day I went to my office and I slammed my hand on the desk right. and I was so, I was so upset. Um, the Lord spoke to me. It was like an audible voice. I didn't see a, I didn't see a, uh, a vision from heaven, but the Lord just put a picture in my mind. Mm-hmm. I saw this pic. I saw a picture of a chessboard and I just saw these pieces, you know, on, on the chessboard. And, and I, you know, that you know, you, you make different moves to try to, to get that king to put that king in checkmate. Mm-hmm. And I just thought the Lord sweep my heart and said, Mark, you know, just what's wh- you know, what's what's happened here, you need to understand I am still sovereign. Mm-hmm. I'm still mm-hmm. sovereign. And so part of what's helped me to and helped our church, and as we I've shared with our church, to tr- come to some place of reconciliation is to understand that even though uh, what's happened we don't like, even though there's injustice in it in many many ways. God is still sovereign, and God is still in control, and God still has a plan for His church. And then the last phase is this, um, what I call revamp, and that is mm-hmm. you got to determine how to navigate your church. I'm sorry, determine how to uh, uh, position your church to navigate your new neighborhood. That is if, mm-hmm. God, calls you, if God calls you to stay there.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this is this is really beautiful. Like step by step, it's almost like um, you know when somebody passes away, or from, yes. you know, and you lead them through that process step by step, right? And if yes. somebody's missing, you have, uh, um, we say that you know you can't skip a step. You gotta go through yes. the step. Um, yes. I, as I'm hearing you, I can see that. Why would you, as a pastor, introduce that step by step approach? Uh, to to help churches engage in this kind of conversation and help uh, their congregation to experience healing. Uh, But now, but toward the end, you did talk about the last part is the position to navigate, right? Yes. That means new people are there and probably your congregation is uh, booted out uh yes. as far as their uh, uh you know their indigenous uh, location is concerned where they were born probably where yes. the aunts and uncles lives and all that now nobody's there so they they are not there so if all here's a question if all of a church's congregation leaves out lives outside of its neighborhood in your case your neighborhood should the church move why or why not
0: Yeah, I I think I think that's a a question that each church has to answer individually. And I think that I I think I wrote about this in the book as well, too, that a church has to go has to go through a just a process of discernment to Uh to to determine what the Lord's will is. Okay. So for us, the majority of our community, they moved eastward. So they call that place now the numbers. So the community has been dispersed all over. Uh, uh, Oregon and out uh the outlying cities, but the majority have moved uh, eastward. And so we, I mean, we had, you know, like you said earlier, earlier about the other churches, people wanted to buy the church. I mean, we get offers for eight figures mm-hmm. to buy our church, to buy our church building regularly. Mm-hmm. I mean, we paid $350,000 for the building. Now it's worth eight figures. So wow. we, 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 we get those offers regularly. And so we, we pray, we say, okay, God, what do you want us to do? What are we supposed to do? Do we just, Mm -hmm. do we sell the building and do we move out? What is, what is your mind? What is your heart? So, you know, through prayer, through uh, counseling, talk with people and so forth, we felt that uh, God was saying, you know, not going to say we're never going to sell that building, but we just felt that God had something else he wanted to do, but our heart was burdened. Mm -hmm. We had a burden for, where the majority of the community had moved out to. So miraculously, miraculously what God did for us, I mean, it was was just a miracle. I don't have time to tell the whole story, but God actually gave us another building uh, out in the numbers in uh, East Portland, where the people have moved out to. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. we were able to start another congregation out there for the people who have been displaced. And so I think it's a... Uh, a, a, a church has to figure out how God is leading it. So for some, it may be, you know, we sell the building and we mm-hmm. move to where the people have have, have moved. Mm-hmm. For others, it may be, no, we stay here and we we plow the ground and we, we know God's called us to this place. And so mm-hmm. we're going to determine how we can best minister and serve this area where we're at. And for others, it might be a both and. We stay here. And we start something different, or it could be a merger. Well, you know, there's another church out here. We, we might be able to take our resources and to be able to merge with this church as well, merge with this church and uh, further the mission of Jesus Christ. So I think there's, there's options that are there. Um, they're hard choices. They're difficult choices to make. Um, they're challenging choices to make. But uh, God, is, God is wise. He's full of wisdom. And he knows uh, what is the best path for us to take. And he's faithful to show us that.
1: Yeah. You know, as you were talking, Dr. Strong, I'm thinking about because at heart, yes, I'm a senior um, pastor of a church here, but at heart, I'm still a missionary because that's how yes. my journey started. So I'm okay. thinking, as you're talking, I'm thinking about calling. Are we, it depends on whether the 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 congregation is called to a place or a church is called to a place or people, right? So then you can make an, not even spiritual, but educated uh, uh, decision that, hey, when we planted our church, our calling was to the people, because we saw that this is where the Lord wants us to serve this community, that whatever that community was. But over the period of time, if the community changes, Then means uh, if that community that you were called to is moving out, then you go with where the community goes, you know, therefore, uh, the the text you brought up earlier, one of the ways we can, uh, you know, uh, do the exposition is to look at that, oh, they're longing for what they had. And uh, that means they were attached to the place, which is true. That's the whole idea of Israel. The land is the main point, right? So their identity is attached to the land. Whereas God is telling them, wherever I go, you come. Or wherever you go, I'm with you. That's where Joshua was sent. uh, And God told him the same thing. I will be with you. Go ahead, right? At that time, there was no Israel. But there was calling to the people, not the place. But the place was promised as uh, a uh, part of that calling to the people. So I think all of this, uh, you're right, it has to be a local congregation decision based on what brought them to that place. And then I'm also thinking as you are talking, and I'm thinking in my mind, um, uh, being missional, uh, perhaps uh, over the period of time, and you probably know that too uh, for me the lord has changed my calling over the period of time of course my calling from day one was to follow jesus right live a holy life and all the other things so to ministry it changed over the period of time you know i started with a youth pastor as a yeah. pastor right and then i went to be missionary pastor uh missions pastor then uh, senior pastor but pastor is still there uh yes. happening is still there and i think all of this is, I'm um, just, just, you know, you gave me a lot of things to think about, and I'm I'm hoping the listeners are able to hear uh, all of this, and they are able to interpret some of this uh, in their own context, um, yes. and I, I, I think uh, you already uh, said this, and I just want to go back to this one question. You said Life Change Church made a choice to open a new location based on, right, this decision right. that... Uh, well Lord is providing or giving us a place there, uh, in yes. that community where your most of your congregation moved, or your at least your original, um, yes, uh, you know uh, people moved. So God did that. But would you mind just uh, briefly telling us what factors went? Other than that, what factors went into the decision for choosing the new locations uh, neighborhood? But if this decision was solely on, like, hey Lord, what do you want me to do? Hey, here. I give you a place, go open that's fine too. that answer is perfectly legitimate answer, but we'll, is there anything else
0: yeah so so part par like um at the end of the book, I talk about like you know uh mapping your future and just how you navigate and so one of the questions that you have to answer there is like a, a vision question or a minute uh, a mission question you know what's what's our what's our mission what's our vision and so what whenever that decision was private uh, just primarily and just basic, I, I think the, the the rudimentary, foundational thing is this: we know we are called to make disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. We know that we're called to our city. We 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 have a a burden and a passion from God to reach people, and so uh, that that passion and that burden, the call to reach people. Cannot be. Uh, we we cannot allow that to be inhibited by the physical location of a building. Um, a building can help to serve your mission, but a building cannot be used to limit the mission. And so, That's excellent.
1: We, Please repeat that again one more time. Okay,
0: a building can be used to serve your mission, mm-hmm. but a building cannot be used to limit your your That's your right. mission and so so we had to think outside of that wine skin you know the parable mm-hmm. of the wine skin no one wants new wine because they say the old is better you can't put the new wine into the old wine skin because mm-hmm. it will mm-hmm. burst it. Mm-hmm. So we had to think outside of that so what can we do? Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know it, it's expensive you know yeah. building buildings are expensive sure. uh, mission is expensive. A mm-hmm. friend of mine always says this he says, how do you spell vision? Uh, well, the common answer would be V I S I O N. He says the way you spell vision is M O N E Y. Let me takes... put that. Let
1: me put that on for my fall uh, business meeting. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> no, I'm not even kidding. This is
0: good. <laughs> yeah. So the, you know, vision, vision always takes money. It always takes money, and so we had. So we we had the burden. We know we had the call from God. We knew that people had moved out into the neighborhood we saw the need that was there we saw the need that was uh in that area and so we were we we were compelled to to do something and then dr Job, i want to say this is that when we made that move our church does not have tons of money Mm. we don't have we we do not have millions of dollars sitting around in bank in a bank account we just don't we don't have it when when this building came open uh when this building came open uh, we did not have money to buy it, but we felt it was something that God wanted us to do. Mm-hmm. So we said, let's, let's make an offer. And I'll make, I gotta make this story real quick here. So, uh, we, we, uh, called the realtor that uh, the building. Mm-hmm. We talked to him and, uh, he said, okay, I'm going to let you, I'm gonna let you talk to the owners, uh, tomorrow we'll set up a conversation. And so the owners came on the phone and uh, they, cause what they, what they do is they, they have shopping centers all over Washington, Oregon, Utah, California. So they, they're a, a multi-billion dollar company. And so they just happened to have this piece of property here that they were trying to sell and get rid of. So they said, well, what do you want to do? I said, well, we have a heart to want to help the community. We want to help families, We want to help young people. And they're like, that sounds really, really good. We really appreciate this vision that uh, that you have this would be we think this would be a worthwhile thing for the property so then they said that they said to me they go okay well how are you going to pay for it they said do you have the are, are you going to pay cash for it i said no uh they said are you are you pre-approved for it no um well how do you expect how do you expect to do this so i'm like okay lord help us to answer the question i said well you know we, we we did a similar thing like this with our other building and we just figured that you know we'll be able to get it worked out they said okay let us think about it, and we'll call you back tomorrow. So they, they thought about it. They called us back tomorrow. They said, normally, we don't do anything like this. What you're asking us to do is totally non-conventional, But we like what you're trying to do, so we're going to give you a shot at it. So to make a long story short, uh, uh, God allowed us to tie that building up, not with, not with financial currency, but just with, with uh, sincerity and with vision. And with faith, we were able to get an agreement and to uh, start working toward the building. Uh, we 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 were reject we were rejected by bank after bank after bank after bank after bank. Nobody uh, nobody would notice the money. So this one lady uh, gave me the uh, gave me a call- gave me a number to call this one guy. I call him, and he goes, "Okay, tell me the house you're trying to buy." I said, "Sir, I'm not try- We're not trying to buy a house. We're trying to buy a, a- we're trying to buy a uh, uh, a supermarket." You know, uh, you know, a couple acres of land. We're not trying to buy a house. We're trying to buy this, 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 this complex. And he goes, "Well, I can't help you. Call this place." And so I'm thinking, "Oh, thanks for that tip." So I, I call the number. He calls me, and the, this lady answers the phone. She said she's the, she's the uh, uh, a banker at this particular bank. And I tell her our scenario. And she goes, "Who told?" She said, "Who told you to call me?" And I said, "Such and such." And she says, "He told you to call the right place." She said, let me come out and look at your existing building and then look at the, uh, look at the other building. So she comes out, she looks at our existing building and then she looks at the other building and she's not saying nothing. And so when she gets ready to leave, I said, well, what do you think? And she turns to me, she looks at me, she says, this is God, this is God. And we just saw the Lord just give us, we uh, we, we had to raise, you know, about $400,000 in a matter of, in a matter of. A couple months oh, during the summertime, our church has never mm-hmm. raised that kind of money. God, God gave, God gave us, God gave us grace. God gave us favor to raise that money. And I got to tell you this story right here. So, um, at the last, the last day when we were supposed to go and sign for that property, mm-hmm. uh, I got a call from the bank. They said we will need another hundred thousand dollars to be able to close this deal. I said, well, we raised all the other money, which you said to do. They said, well, no, we need another hundred thousand dollars or if you can find someone who has several dollars worth of property that we can put a collateral, we can do it. I said, "Well, how long do we have to do this?" I said, "How long do we have to be able to get this money?" And uh, she said, "Well, you have to about two o'clock today." Where in the world uh-huh. we we'll gonna get, get get hundred thousand dollars from in a matter of hours? Uh-huh. Complic- complicating the matter was, I had a funeral to do of a young man who died from a brain aneurysm. Hmm. So I, I get this call from the bank. I have to go and do a, a a hard, difficult funeral in fifteen minutes. I'm like, Lord, what's going on? And so when I was, tr- we were trying to raise the four hundred thousand dollars. There was a gentleman who I we I just asked him for five thousand. He said, No, I can't help you. He said, Only come back to me if you really, 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 really need the money. And so um, w- uh, a few of us got together. We were praying. And that the word, his words came back to me. We really, you, we really, really need the money. So I called him back. I said, sir, we really, really, really need the money. He said, let me check with my wife. He checked with his wife. They brought, they gave us a check for a hundred thousand dollars. And then, and then we were short enough. We were short another $20,000. My dad, who uh, is never in my office, he was in my office. and He saw me going back and forth. And he says, uh, "He says, what's wrong? He says, what's going on? He says, here, your uncle's on the phone." And I'm thinking, "Dad, I'm trying. To, we just we're just told I got to raise another twenty thousand dollars here in about forty five minutes. I don't know where we're going to be able to get that from." And you know, you know, but, you know, your dad's your dad. He's like, you know, mm-hmm. he's not saying pastor or doctor. He's like, "Boy, come and get this phone." You know, so <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, "Okay, okay, I'll get the phone." So I, I take the phone, and uh, it's my uncle, and he says. What's going on? He said. Your dad said you got some problems. He said. What's going on? I said. Well, I got about. I got to have about twenty thousand dollars in about forty five minutes. My uncle says, "Let me talk to my wife." And so my uncle does. He doesn't even go to our church. He talks to my aunt. They come back. They give us the twenty thousand dollars, and we wow. were able to get that building. Wow. And 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 the city. And the city. The miracle. The other miracle was the city. Uh, they said, "Show us the plans, and we will. We promise you, we'll help you get your plans approved." In a couple of weeks wow. and I mean they they never do that 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 never happens and we we showed them our plans in a few weeks they had approved them our contractor uh, that that did the remodeling uh he said you know what you can pay for the sub but I'm not going to charge you my contractor fee so that's how God gave us our second building wow for that man. area out there
1: you see that's the encouragement um I was actually gonna <laughs> My next question was actually, hey, what encouragement can you give to the pastors or a congregation (laughs) in churches through these changes? I think right there, the whole story is an encouragement that when you walk by faith, not by sight, and when you go through those steps and you bring that before the Lord and the Lord blesses you. And I totally see that your vision was big, but it needed a lot of money, but God provided. Yes. Any local pastor, I mean, uh, I have to deal with that on day-to-day basis when uh, yes. you know money gets in the vision in the in the in the in the way of the vision, and I'm like, Lord, what we supposed to do now? And yes. I, I mean, I'm encouraged. What you just told uh, told wonderful. us, this is wonderful, brother. Yes. And I think uh, Lord is going to continue to bless your ministry and your congregations, both churches, and uh, you know, this is really amazing. Um, let me ask, uh, um, I'm going to try to uh, uh, wrap this up. Okay. Um, if the listeners want to get in touch with you or uh, uh, find your book, what are the easiest ways?
0: Uh, the best way to get the book is just to go to Amazon mm-hmm. and either put Dr. Mark E. Strong in or just type in who, who moved my neighborhood. And uh the book will come up and you can purchase on Amazon. Mm-hmm. And if you want to get in touch with me, the best way probably is like on my uh Instagram, which is uh, at Dr. DR Mark E Strong. So mark letter E strong. Mm-hmm. And um I you can message me there and I can I can get back to you or however. So
1: and that will also be included in the episode's descriptions. Um, so we talk about really awesome but at times a little bit depressing. Situation yep. because it you know it relates to community it's real life real people being uh you know kicked out of their own uh, communities and all the other things but then yet God is sovereign right yes he you is. said yes, he is. um but I want to close with a with a uh, joke to lighten okay. the mood so okay give you give me
0: a good <laughs> joke. Okay, yeah, I know. I know. My, I'm always telling jokes. about my, my kids like, oh gosh, that's so bad. It's just so <laughs> bad. But here's one. Okay, uh, uh, um, a good a good friend of mine uh, used to be a a milk drinker, mm-hmm. and he used to drink a lot of milk. Uh, but what happened to him was uh, he started to get lactose intolerant. But he still liked milk, mm-hmm. so he started drinking large amounts of almond milk. He would drink mm-hmm. almond almond milk. In the morning, almond milk in the afternoon, mm-hmm. almond milk in the evening.
1: Mm-hmm. He drank
0: so much almond milk that it drove him nuts.
1: <laughs> Very good. You see, yeah. I can get that joke. Yes. Yeah.
0: Good. So I, my, jokes are, my jokes are bad. My, my kids no, are, no, my no, kids are, no. Are, this is good. Yeah. I'm going to tell that to my son. Yeah. I'm going to tell him and I think he will appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Thank you so much for being on the show
0: again. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. It's just been been very enjoyable.
1: That was uh, Dr. Mark Strong from Life Change Church in Portland, Oregon. And thank you to all our listeners. I'm so grateful for each and every one of you. If you appreciate this podcast, please be sure to subscribe to the show and leave an honest uh, review wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you think this podcast would be beneficial or helpful to someone you know, please share or pass it along. Tune in next time for more honest discussions from Diverse Voices. You've been listening to Our Urban Voices with Dr. Alphonse Javed, which presents Christian narratives through diverse
0: voices that impact urban ministry. Please check back for new episodes every week.
1: Did you know that the Our Urban Voices podcast is an outreach ministry of the Heart for Muslims conference? Our vision is to promote love for Muslims and eliminate the fear of Islam. Join us this year on Saturday, November 5th at Trinity Baptist Church in Manhattan, New York. We will be focusing on the power of proximity, how your location, culture, and shared experiences can bring Christ to Muslims hear from Muslim ministry practitioners and connect with like-minded
0: Christians. Find all the details at heartformuslims.com.